You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes! What is up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the K. Golasso Podcast. I'm Jimmy Conrad. I'm here with Heath Pierce, and we are going to break down the big comprehensive win, 2-0, the U.S. over Jamaica, the Kegolasso podcast. It starts right now. All right, everybody. Welcome into this one. As you can tell, I'm full of energy. I'm full of vim and vigor, as they like to say. I'm Jimmy Conrad. If you can see me, I look ridiculous because I'm happy. I'm dressed up to the nines with my U.S. gear. I've got my drum. Okay, I'm up for it. I got my megaphone. I'm ready to go. And I got Heath Pierce with me as well. Heath, how are you doing? And what were your initial thoughts about this game? Give me like your 30-second summary. Yeah, I mean, my 30-second summary uh, is just that I thought the U.S. were solid in the first half. I thought Jamaica were very good. When I think about the way that the U.S., uh, approaches away matches. I think about the same with Jamaica. I was like, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're playing away. They're making it difficult. Yeah, there was the controversial moment at the beginning of the game. We'll get Probably into that. Could have been mm-hmm, a red mm-hmm. card, but outside of that, I, I thought Jamaica was like approaching it hard, making it difficult, bunkering in, saying, "Hey, you guys are so good. Then break us down. Let's see you break us down." Mm-hmm. And then second half, things changed. Uh, but overall, for the U.S., I was like, this is what I want to see from a home game. I want to see that fight, that energy. And then, like, uh, like we've talked about. Once you win the battle, once you win, once you earn the right to play on pitch, then we saw some of this individual quality, and it just took a few moments uh, to come out. Obviously, I want to see everybody uh, in the comment section just throwing stuff in there, their thoughts, their Let's takes, so we can bring them onto the show to generate some interest and, and some energy. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing off this one. Obviously, a lot of things we can learn. What were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I just thought overall, even though it was 0-0 at half, I never felt like we lost grip of the game. Maybe there was like a 10-15 minute window there in the first half where you could feel Jamaica kind of get back into it. They weathered our early storm and obviously survived a couple uh, debatable referee calls. And again, we're going to get into that. But overall, I just liked that we were in control and I was really impressed and excited to see that midfield of Adams, Musa, and McKinney. I think that can be our midfield for many years to come. They're only going to get better. And the fact that Yunus Musa is only 18 years old just completely blows my mind. His IQ for the game is off the charts. And he just seems to make good decisions on the ball more often than not. And you can't say that at, on a consistent level with a lot of different midfielders. I know we're going to get into, though, or a lot of young players, too, into, into mm-hmm. all the players and breaking them down and everything. But first, I have to say, if you're watching us live on YouTube, we can't emphasize enough how much we want to hear from you. So get in the comments section and share your thoughts. Ask a question. Get things off of your chest. We're not the only ones here that are excited or have some criticisms, potentially of the referees. You know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And our producer will throw the best comments on screen. Also, I know that some of you are listening on podcast form or on a podcast platform, and that's very nice. We appreciate that. But you know what's even nicer? Subscribing to the K Golasso podcast wherever you get your podcasts and take a minute to leave us a glowing rating and review so that we can continue to give you this high-quality content. And... uh, it's kind of a life hack. You know, you do that now while you listen. You do two things mm-hmm. at once. Two birds, one stone. That's what we like. So let's talk about the starting lineup. Let's start at the very beginning of this. An hour before kickoff, you see the starting lineup. I already mentioned how much I enjoyed the midfields. For everybody watching or listening, did you like this lineup? Or did you have any question marks about it? I'm going to go with you, Heath Pierce. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the only question mark that I had 
and this is me being overly critical of the game, looking for mm-hmm. things that I think we need to improve. I wasn't that impressed with um, Robinson at center back. I thought that there were a few times that he didn't uh, get pulled. He got pulled out of position. He didn't challenge the initial balls. And again, maybe you the think game that's because he was that. playing on the left side instead of the right. Because I feel like well, he certainly he seemed a little less. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. I mean Mark McKenzie played uh, left uh, last time, and that's and John right. Anthony Brooks when he's in, and so I felt that he was a little bit uncomfortable in that willingness to leave the position, feeling like he was exposing the back line. And that's just me being critical. I thought he had a great game. I thought he was solid. But in the things that we saw before where he was willing to challenge that initial entry pass when he was reading the game a little bit differently seemed different when he was on on the left-hand side. That's, again, me looking through this like fine-tooth comb uh, for, yeah. for something to criticize. I think overall, though, the team, when you look at Yunus Musa, I, I, I was still kind of unconvinced as to what he can bring consistently to the national team because uh, he's young, because he's going to have inconsistencies. But he was so mature, so good. Picked and chose his moments. And I think with him on the field, it makes Tyler Adams better, gives him more space. It makes Weston McKinney better, gives him Mm -hmm. more space. And Mm -hmm. you just have another guy who's so comfortable in tight spaces and uncomfortable, like in in, in areas of the field uh, that are tense, that you have to be technically very, very sound, that you have to think very, very quickly. His ability to do that made uh, the players around him better, made the game easier for players around him, created a different angle and, and, and threat that allowed Tyler Adams to drop deeper, Weston McKinney to find other spaces and allow the attacking players to stay higher, knowing that now you have somebody who can connect those lines together. So he was one that was super impressive. I know you mentioned him already. Uh, was there anything that, that stood out from you, both on, on a negative side that you can address in, in, in a shorthand type of way? Obviously, uh, I don't want to turn this into negativity, but it's like, no, I, I, no, no. I, I also don't want us to think like, oh, yeah, we've done, we've done it, you know? Right, right. We're going to gloss over everything. No, obviously, I think we're nitpicking so that we can continue to get better and, and ask even more of the team because we know they're capable of it. It's one thing to nitpick mm-hmm. and, and, and to bitch and all that type of stuff if if you guys aren't capable of it. But if you know that they are and they're just not playing to that potential, that's something entirely different. And I think you and I and most of the people listening really can see the potential this team has. And I thought we were pretty good. I mean, overall, I would say, and I want to hear from everybody that's listening or or watching on YouTube, Hit us up with a, a, a Y for yes or an N for no if you think that Greg Berhalter got his lineup right. And here we got one already from Edix who says, let this team win some confidence and for sure we'll qualify. Confidence is a big thing, Edix. And, and what I'll say that with regard to that and kind of spin it into what I'm saying is that even though things weren't necessarily going right, and I'm curious about what our XG was with regard to this, our expected goals after the game, even though we we put them under a lot of pressure in the first half, we didn't have too many clear-cut chances. I actually thought to, let's say, nitpick to kind of go down that. Ricardo Pepe was pretty quiet in the first 45 minutes. And I was wondering, if that's is that Ricardo Pepe? Or is it the way Jamaica set up? Because they clearly were doing something to either nullify the balls getting into him or allow, not yeah. allowing him to get in behind. Let me, let me, let me, just, let me just say yeah, something in, on that real, real quick. The, the thought that I have with that is... The difference is, is I think it's part of the play. I think Jamaica sitting deeper. I sure, think blocking sure. off the lines. I think Eunice Musa and, and Weston McKinney getting into those spaces makes it ultimately harder to connect or have direct uh, passes into Ricardo Pepe. But what I like about him, what I like about that is that he hasn't been like we've seen with Jossie Zardes or we've seen with Josh Sargent or or uh, Jordan Pifok to a little bit or even Daryl DK, where after long periods, he goes look. they go looking for the ball. And they try to figure out a way to be important in a way that we don't need him. Ricardo Pepe, anywhere that he's not near the goal, he knows exactly what he needs to do, right? Get the ball, lay the ball off, get back into good spots. Be busy, right. be active, try right. to combination right. play. But he's, he, you can see his mind is so simple with what his role is 
that all of his other the other things he brings to the game are are simplicity of just getting other people in, engaged and involved and doing a shift. And so when you see the second half come, he doesn't change his play. He doesn't start playing differently. He's right, just saying right. like, okay, I'm I'm still hunting. I'm still hunting. I'm being patient. And that patience is a really hard thing to teach for a striker, right? When they when they go, man, I haven't gotten the ball. I'm going to get subbed out. I'm not doing anything. I need to track back. I need to go get some touches on the ball. He just sort of waits for his moments. And right. of course, he needs to be put into good spots. But the mark of a striker and what we've talked about with Ricardo Pepe, uh, especially on this show since qualifying started, or this round of qualifying has started, is that his ability to convert. And everybody was critical when he missed the half volley or a weird bouncing yeah, yeah. chance against Honduras. But you can see here, one chance comes in, he is locked in and ready to go. And he hasn't changed the way he played. He's not in a panic. He's not trying to figure out other ways that he can, he can help the team. He's helping the team in his own ways. But when that chance comes, he's there. And I think there's something to say about that. And, you know, like I've said many times with, with a player like that, he makes it look like the defenders aren't paying attention. Nobody's marking him. How could they leave the best goal scorer uh, wide open? How does he He just gets mm-hmm, tap-ins? Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about that, you know? And, and so when I look at the first half, I go, okay, he was quiet. Part of that's the system. But the fact in the second half, just like against Honduras, he found a way, the team found a way to get him involved and get him into the spots that you need, I think is a sign of maturity. He's not running the yeah, channels. Right. He's not... He's well, not trying to be like bigger than he is. Well, to, to Tony B's comment as well, and to what you're saying, Pepe was quiet in the first half because he wasn't getting that service. To some, and, and that was from Paul Ariola in particular. So I can see where Tony B feels about Paul Ariola. But with regard to to Pepe, I do think they were stacking him up. And even to your point, Heath, if he's there and is still occupying space, because he's demanding that type of attention, it's going to leave pockets of space for other players to occupy. And I thought Brendan Aronson in particular was doing a very good job as an inverted winger in some ways because I thought he was picking up the ball or starting more centrally and then running behind that outside back in front of the center back and picking up that spot. We saw him do it effectively in the first and second half. So clearly there was some ideas and that the width was going to be created by Anthony Robinson and Serginho Dest uh, as both of the wingbacks. And obviously I thought they did pretty well, both of those guys defensively as, as well. I, I do want to yeah. say, though, Brendan Anderson I thought was fantastic and there was definitely some thought behind it. When I'm thinking about Brendan Aronson, we just saw a comment there from Nomad as well. Do you think based on the performance of, of Aronson, and then when Tim Weah came in, he was also very effective, though. I think oh, Tim Weah picked, yeah. picked up the ball a lot more. He, he's more, he, he, he picks it up wider than, than Aronson does. I think Aronson's looking to, to pick it up underneath a little bit more and, and shifts and moves around a little bit, whereas Weah, I think, looks to pick it up wide and run in and do his thing. Now, there's going to have to be some controversy, some, some, for me, positive controversy about like Pulisic and Reyna weren't even involved and we didn't miss them. Now we're playing a Jamaica team that I think is kind of vulnerable right now. They don't have all their best players that they could have on the field. And once we got that first goal, you could see them lose a little belief in what they were, what they were doing and what they were setting out to do with their game plan and maybe trying to just eke out a draw away from home. But talk to me about, about Aronson and Wea and potentially the future of Pulisic and Gio Reyna, maybe even Gio Reyna. I think that would probably stand out the most is maybe him losing potential starting time in the future. Yeah, I think this shows that that Gio Reyna at Dortmund is different than Gio Reyna with the national team and that he's mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. to have to step his game up to show that not just his abilities, because we know he has the quality and we know he's young and he's going to continue to develop, but that he's got to be able to bring it with the national team because you've got uh, players chomping at the bit to take your position. You look at, again, Timo Weah coming in. People were pretty upset that he didn't start in the team and Areola, right. uh, a more veteran player, started uh, over him in the form that Timo Weah is in, I think is, is is a solid argument for for the U.S. fan to say he should be starting on the field. And you can see the spark that he brought. Obviously, the game was opened up. It's a different dynamic. It's a different scoreline. Um, but but overall, I thought I thought that uh, Tim Tim Weah was good. But Brendan Aronson for me 
is again, I just I just look at him and I go, he does all the things that we want, right? If you are a U.S. Right, fan right, and you're looking at, right. you, you take all of Landon Donovan's comments and try to connect him into a player. That's Brendan Aronson, right? Respecting <laughs> yeah. the old generations with the hard work and the effort and the sacrifice and the dedication, showing that energy. Yeah. You know, w- w- we've all played for teams where you, you look at a player, a non-quality player, right? Take the national team out of it, your club team. You look at a guy who fans loved because – he would run and tackle everything, he, you know, like they built corner flags for them so they know where to put their head up and stay on the field because they're just chasing everything and fans go, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. he's got that heart and that passion. Brendan Aronson has that. He has that energy that we've talked about being uh, infectious. And so you add that to the quality that has his ability to, uh, for combination play, his, his willing dirty work to get into the channels, get into deeper positions, get into pockets, uh, combination play, I just think is, is, is really fantastic. I think he's got a long way to go. We'd love to see, you know, what what everybody else uh, that, that that are watching the show, what their thoughts are on on these particular players. Yeah, the, I, the, the, the one thing that I did want to say, um, yeah, shoot. B- before we move, we move on from this, and and I'm I'm happy if if everybody that's that's watching this wants to call me out. I thought that Yunus Musa, Brendan Aronson, I thought this lineup, right? Let's talk about this lineup in general. Put it made Tyler Adams the player that I want to see as Ty, Tyler Adams be. He didn't have to do all the build up play. He sat in front of that back line and wasn't forced to have to do more uh, offensively to try to generate things going forward, leaving us exposed. I thought that he was in good spots, and I think the reason he was in good spots is because we had uh, Eunice Musa next to him, Weston McKinney, guys who are willing to do the work both ways, but also stretch the team and pulled their midfield in and out of spaces. And you talk about Brendan Aronson on one side, Paul Riola, who I thought was was a solid solid in this one as well. Obviously, he's not going to be your Tim Wade right. who's coming in up with a yeah. scoreline, but overall, I mean, do you think do you think Greg was wrong on this 11? Would you have? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think he was wrong. I had some question marks, very similar to wall street hotspur in the chat who has big question marks over Ariola over Wea. And I think that this could be in uh, a moment where Greg does have some trust in some, some guys that he knows the type of effort he's going to get every single time. That's not a knock on Wea or anybody else that could be playing over Ariola, but Ariola, you know, he's going to be a little spark plug. He's going to be a pest. He's going to pressure his ass off and he's going to make it really difficult for the opponent. And I think there's something in that. Whereas what I want, I don't want Timo way to do. I mean, I want him to do it because that might be part of the job, but I don't want that to be his main focus. I want him to get the ball and run at people. Not that I don't want that for Ariola, but, but, but I think there was some element of that where he was trying to find that blend of a little bit more of a work rate up top, potentially. And, and I'm trying to like get in Greg's head and decide what he wants. And then the other one that uh, Wall Street Hotspur had an issue with was Zimmerman. But I actually thought Zimmerman played really well. I thought his positioning was very good. He won a ton of headers against a player who's six foot four in Shamar Nicholson, and that was going to be very difficult. He won the headers that he needed to win inside the box when crosses were coming in. I thought he was a solid choice, but he was a question mark for me too. And I'm a friend of Walker's, and I just thought, well, Mark McKenzie played very well against Honduras, especially in that second half that we all look back on romantically, four goals and a half. Of course, you're going to look back on it in a, in a great way. And I'm surprised he didn't get to actually get the start. But now I'm thinking, okay, at some point there has to be some balance of we do realistically have three games in seven or eight days. And we need to think about what that lineup's going to look like in each particular spot. Even though you and I both came on here and said we have to win the first game and the other ones don't matter. If you're the coaching staff, you still have to take a little bit of that into consideration. And so maybe that's why those choices were made. But one more thing on Timothy Wea, he could be kind of falling into that. He's a great super sub. And when he came on, he was excellent. And he might just start in, to be fitting into that role. And I felt the same way about Brendan Aronson. But the more I see Brendan Aronson play, I feel like he's starting to get himself into more of a starting spot. Now, we had another comment about him potentially playing the cam spot. I like our midfield of McKinney, 
Musa, uh, Musa and Adams because they they just seem to complement each other's skill set pretty well. And you let the attacking and the width come from our wing backs or outside backs, and and our creative players come from like that double ten uh, that kind mm -hmm. of go inside inverted wingers go from inside to out. And then you have Ricardo Pepe. And of course, you know, Musa had great running to play the ball at the desk that led to the first goal. And you have McKinney that can sprinkle in his attacking prowess as well. But I like that midfield three. And to maybe add another attacking player with Aronson there, I think would throw that off and throw off our balance. So my question to you now is let's pivot to Weston McKinney in particular. He had a pretty solid game. Mm -hmm. didn't, didn't swing one way too hard or the other, but he did his job. Do you think mm -hmm. he's done enough now? Do you feel like we've now moved past that issue that he had in the first qualifying window? Yeah, certainly. And I think he actually went about it the right way. You know, an immature player would have tried to prove in a lot of ways that they are past that, right? Tried to do mm -hmm. too much, tried to show that they can carry this team on their back. And, and, and again, because of the quality of the other players and the way in which we played and the fact that, you know, we talk about this a lot, Jimmy, seven, eights, and nines you want on the field, right? You don't right, want a right. four and then a nine right. or four and then a 10. Like, give me sevens and eights all day long. And I thought Weston right. Kinney. And we right had that today. That we had that today. Because we had some of those other players that were at that eight or nine level, so that he just had to he just had to play a role. Tyler Adams just had to play a role. The game was pretty simple right. for for both of yeah. them. But I think Weston McKinney did a good job of just trying to get into the game, combine combination play, pick a few moments to get forward. I think I thought he was relatively quiet, but on a night like this, I thought that he was good in transition. I thought his effort was good. I thought his mindset was good. And all of those things, I remember looking back on our own experiences playing in qualifiers and things like that, that being enough if, if the mindset is going to be right. You know, if you have other players around you that are going to have a, a, a top-level game or carry the team or get the goals um, or, or create the goal-scoring opportunities, I think we're showing that, okay, we can be a little bit more balanced. We, if we can get a Ricardo Pepe that's on, and again, we're talking about the second half. Even if Ricardo Pepe doesn't play, by the way, I do want to say that if he's a super sub, that makes me happy. If Team Away right, is a super right. sub, that makes me happy. If Brendan Aronson sure. and him swap, and now you have Brendan Aronson off the bench, I'm I'm happy. It makes Matthew me happy. happy. I'm I'm happy. Yeah. Like there's there's yeah. there's these players now that you have that have this spark, this ability to create moments and and to create advantages for the team. If you're Ricardo Pepe and you're like, okay, let's go with Jordan Pifok or let's go with something different. We're gonna have Josh Sargent scrap for this one, and then you know that you have a guy who's a pure goal scorer that can come in late in games and, and knowing that, you know, if you're going to put this guy into a good spot, he's going to score. I think he's showing that ability to say, hey, these moments, I am dialed in to be able to do that. And so I think it's important. But to, to, to go back to the point on Weston McKinney, I, I think, again, completely solid performance. Would I love to see him do more? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But I, I look back at those moments and say, what could he have done more? When you have players that are doing their job, we yeah, no longer look to Weston McKinney or Gio Reyna and Pulisic and say, do something, do something, because you have everybody, it was a little bit more doing, of a well have, yeah, doing um, something. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think that takes the pressure off these guys to just have good performances, be a mm -hmm. leader in a different way. We don't, okay, maybe you score a big goal in a big moment, but we don't need you to turn through players and do stepovers and be, be Mr. Right. Creativity, which I think we've seen him try to do and take on that responsibility. Well, he, he did it in this game as well, yeah. where he had a chance to play simple and he ended up, he ended up beating somebody and it led to a chance, but it was still, it, he kind of fell into that mold. But I mean, that's, you got to let Weston McKinney be Weston McKinney, yeah. right? I mean, if you don't give him that opportunity to be creative at times, he's going to get bored, I think. And uh, we don't need that guy being bored with free time. <laughs> what's, your, what's, so, yeah. what's your take on Weston? And then I want to get your take on, on Serginho Dest. Is, is, is that enough, what he did today uh, for an away game? Is it, is, it, is it good enough for a home game? I mean, what, what, I want your take on those two guys. No, I, I think that, if it, to your point, if you have enough players that are doing their job and he doesn't have to overextend himself and he can play kind of within his own game, 
now that he maybe can sense that I don't have to do everything, then he can be a better version of himself in that part of the field. Now, again, as a caveat, I have to throw out there that once we scored that first goal, Jamaica didn't look the same. They just, they got tired. And then it's a little bit harder to judge our players. If that game had gone 0-0 a little bit longer, maybe we see that that heroic quality of Weston McKinney come out, but he didn't need to draw into that and you know take over a game and try to do it all by himself, which is not necessarily what we want, but we know that he has a tendency of doing it and doing it. He did it well in the Nations League final against Mexico, scoring a header on a set piece you know, with 10 minutes left to go, which obviously got us into extra time. We ended up winning it. So he has those moments, but if he can just pick and choose when those moments are needed. So going down to Panama, I'd love to see him back in the lineup. I want to see, we're going to struggle there a little bit. We're going to suffer. I don't feel like we suffered too much in this game. They didn't really have too many clear-cut opportunities. Maybe for for 10 minutes, there were some times we had to figure out our team shape, but they never really established a rhythm, really put us on the back foot. So it's hard in some ways to judge us against the worst team in CONCACAF right now. So I take that with a little grain of salt. Nothing to take away from his performance. Sometimes you want a good, solid performance from one of your center midfielders where they're just doing their job, doing the simple things, keeping the ball moving, and allowing, especially when you can see another player is taking over the game, Giving that, giving that player the ball, right? You've played enough, Heath, that if you've got somebody who's feeling it and you can sense that they're feeling it, dude, you don't even worry about worry about doing extra. Just like give that guy the ball. He's got it figured out. And I'll go support him the best that I can, whether I have the ball or, or whether I don't. And I thought McKinney was, was good in that. Now, with regard to Andrew Campbell had a comment about, about uh, he thought Tyler Adams was on fire and McKinney was decent. Uh, to your point, again, Tyler Adams just had to worry about being the best Tyler Adams. He didn't have to go sideline to sideline to make plays or to cover for other people. He only had mm-hmm. to stay within box to box, right? The width of the box, which is where you want your CDM. And I thought he was quietly good as well for all the same reasons we're talking about. So there was a lot of impressive performances. I think what Greg Berhalter got right with the balance of the team was good. It took us, you know, after halftime. And I wonder what he said to the guys, because all of a sudden, Sergio Des started to attack with a little bit more. And that led to a goal. Nice little combination with Eunice Musa, who also took the space in front of him to put Jamaica on the back foot. And Pepe does well to find some space as he does. And Pepe makes his mark. We all make our mark. And that's the second game in a row now that we've scored right after halftime. And then our confidence just takes three, four, five giant steps. And I think part of the evolution of the team is, can we replicate that mindset right from the get-go? Why do we have to wait for a goal to start to feel that good about ourselves? And that will come with age as these guys get into our prime and as we I'm just going to say it. We're going to win the 2026 World Cup. Imagine mm-hmm. these guys in five years. They're going to be unbelievable. So I'm excited about this team. Serginho Dest included. I thought he was very disappointed at that right back position. And and now I, there's a question for you, actually, Keith, that I have the same question. Do you think Anthony Robinson has locked down that left back spot? I think he has done everything that we need from him. I think because of the club he plays at, because of his background, because of the the, the, the DNA of him as a player, he, he, he is a fullback first. He's a defender first, which I like. But he's got pace. He's got energy. He picks and chooses his moments really, really well. And that is, especially if you're going to keep going with Strigino Dest, is the balance you need. Somebody that's not going to, you know, we see a lot of times now in the modern system, center backs are split, and now you have your fullbacks high and wide, and they're drifting, 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 kind of following the game. And that can leave you really, really exposed and put a lot of pressure on your your two center backs as well as your holding midfielder. And I think he understands that a little more. His recovery time immediately when there was a few turnovers that he had where he sprints back to get behind the ball, get comfortable again. I think that mentality helps when you have a Serginio Dest who's, who's secondarily going to be defending or defending just so he can get the ball back so he can do cool stuff on, mm-hmm. on the ball again. So I think I can't think of a I, – I don't think Serginio Dest is better on that side than, than Robinson. And I think Robinson's no. proven 
to, to have yes. the tools we need. Now, do I think that's the solution of what we should expect from our left backs? No, I think we should aim higher. I think we should aim greater and bigger. But he's certainly, again, when you look at the quality of his performances, when you look at the consistency of his performances and the type of player that he is, there's not a lot of gaps in his game that worry mm-hmm. me in qualifying. He's safe. Um, again, maybe that's not the recipe to win the 2026 World Cup. But for now, of having <laughs> enough plenty defenders... Of time. Plenty yeah. of time. But having enough defenders that understand defense first and understand the transition game, that understand that, oh, a bad turnover, I need to think pessimistically. You know, I right. don't need to think someone else is going to fix this. I don't need to think Weston or Tyler's right. going to step out and put out this fire. We lose that ball. That sort of response, I think, is really, really important to have enough players on the field that do that. And again, the team did that well today. And I think Robinson has that mentality, similar to, to, to the way that I was when I, when I was playing as a left back. Like you understood that at that time, I didn't have the quality to be able to, 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 to neglect my defensive duties. I had to be mm-hmm. very good defensively and then mm-hmm. pick and choose my moments where I could support moving forward. I think he's, he's doing that really well. And I can't, ima- I can't think of another player that could, be, uh, that could possibly bump him at the moment. All right, we'll keep those comments rolling in. We want to hear from you in the comments section and just kind of think of the comments section as a blank canvas. Paint it with your hot takes. We want the hottest of takes, and those are the ones that we'll address here on the show. Questions, complaints, shout-outs, whatever you want. And while you're there, because it's really close to probably where you're typing, hit that subscribe button. That would be very, very cool. So let's talk briefly about this very controversial call at the beginning of the game, 30, 20, 30 seconds into the game. And what's funny about this particular play is that the big buzzword around Greg Berhalter was verticality. And within three passes, we're in behind their – I'm like, the verticality is working. I'm like, let's get vertical, vertical. Come on, let's get vertical. You know, and we did it. And I was like, that should have been a red card. The fact that the referee swallowed his whistle – and we don't have VAR, by the way, because there's some stadiums around CONCACAF that can't afford it or don't have the infrastructure. So if those stadiums can't do it, and then we can't have it anywhere, apparently. And it reminded me, not like for like, of course, but with a referee making a decision on a human level saying, even though that was probably the right call to give as a red, it's so early in the game. I can't go 10 versus 11. It's too early. I can't do that. And it reminded me of the 2010 World Cup final when Nigel DeYoung basically murdered Javi Alonso with the bottom of his boot by his Adam's apple. And the referee saw it cleanly and decided not to give a red card because it was so early in the game. And I was like, ah, that seems similar, and I just feel like I'm glad that we got this result to a point where we didn't have to rely on that call or us whining about it. Yeah. Like, oh, if the referee just went and gave us a red card there, we would have won for sure. And I would have felt that way if, even if we got a draw, like we dropped some points and the referee screwed us. And then he made another call, or I actually thought it was a clean tackle on Brendan Aronson when he came through. We can maybe differ on that, but but give me your initial thoughts. Anybody else that wants to chime in in the comments, let us know. Red or not a red? It has to be a red. That, that first one has to be a red for you, Heath. <clears throat> It 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 does have to be a red. I mean, looking <laughs> back, I'm I mean, looking back, I'm 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 much more diplomatic about it because we beat them. We we won, right? We we scored the goals that we needed to get to three points out of this game. Now, when you look at the few of those half chances we gave up in the end of the first half, the header and some of those other things, you know, you lose that luck. Like perhaps this team could have in the past, where they feel a little bit weak and fragile, and now you look back at that moment as something much bigger. Uh, I, I totally understand the argument of like, hey, let the flow. You got you got 89 more minutes to beat this team. Do you need it now? The guy gets a yellow. He's under danger for right. 89 minutes. Run at him. Get a second yellow if you have to. You know, like whatever it is. Right. But by letter of the law, I think that should have been a red. Is it was it was clear and obvious. But it, it would take a lot of um, more courage from the ref to to, to do that in uh, that that minute of the game. So I, I fully think it's a red. And again, I. 
you and I could be having this argument. If the U.S. drew against Jamaica, I'd be heated. I'd be freaking out. I'd be flipping out. But uh, you could see that the U.S. never looked, like you said at the very beginning of the show, uncomfortable. They didn't look like they were outpaced or that they were going to give up a lot of opportunities. I think this is about as solid as a performance as you can get. It's very rare that you go a whole game without giving up a half chances or a header here mm-hmm. or a header there. I think those are ones that they probably could have done better with. Uh, the few moments, especially towards the end of the game, they got another chance, Jamaica. But overall, um, I, I, I thought it was a solid performance from from start to finish. By the way, people are going crazy about Sergio Dest, right? This is our probably our most polarizing figure in the team um, in terms of the quality because, right. again, this is a character this trait. This is the who he is as a player. You see the creativity come out. You and I have played with players, um, mm-hmm. most notably – um, what was it, Ryan Smith at, at uh, when we were at Chivas uh, that, that came yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's right. Just unbelievable on the ball, right? But with it came, okay, if he beats him the first time, then he's probably going to try to beat him every time and he's going to turn the ball over. But if he doesn't, he might mix his game up, mm-hmm. things like that. We played with plenty of players that you go, okay, you've done it, right? You've beat him once. You don't need to go back and beat him again uh, and mix their game up. I think those are still elements of Serginho's desk game that bother me where – Again, we saw his little clip in. We see some final product from him. And on a day like this, you're like, okay, it worked because he set up the goal. But on other days when when it's not working, when you saw the time where he did the couple step overs, little did a little bit too much, ends up falling on the ground, and then that's you know, what led to his injury. Moment. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what led to his injury. But those are the moments that we saw in the past where you go, man, like just simplify the game, time and place. And again, we're talking about a fullback that starts regularly for Barcelona, and we're being critical of that. And and I don't know. I, I feel uncomfortable being critical of that. But at the same time, I'm thinking about some of these harder games and more challenging games where if he doesn't get the call or if he's not fully on doing the things that he does at the top level, those turn into counterattacks against. Those turn into a broken flow within the team. The players not knowing when and where he's going to pass or combination play. I, I did think he has combination play of predictable passing earlier on and one twos that lead to things again. The one two that led to a foul in that same spot earlier before he got injured was again. A wall pass gets it back, takes his touch inside, ends up getting 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 hit on that play, drawing a foul right at the top of the box, which he then takes the the, the free kick. Those are the things that I, I really enjoy about it. But I, I sometimes wonder: is he mixing up his game uh, enough? Yeah, uh, as well. No, I mean, there's been some shade being thrown in the comments right now that Barcelona are a mid-table team now and Dest is average <laughs> on the mid-table team. <laughs> oh, That's a lot goodness. to unpack there. I, I I agree with you though. It does feel weird to in some capacity criticize this guy because obviously he's playing at a high level and, and against some of the world's best players on a regular basis. That said, the only time I watched Sergio desk closely, I like that he goes forward. I like that he has the confidence to try things. I, I think sometimes, especially when I look at some of our younger players, or at least over the last five or 10 years, we're very structured. We're very cookie cutter. You know, we, we get it. We play it wide. We go support the play and we don't necessarily have some of that sauce that I think you and I both like. But to your point, there's a time and place to, to show off that sauce. And so he tries something on the sideline. He's in the attacking third. If he loses it, I don't actually really care. We have the players that uh, because at some point it is going to work and we are going to score because of it. And I don't want him to lose that because of, you know, some criticism from two old husbands like you and I. But yeah. hey. I will say <laughs> when I watch him play, it's more about his defensive prowess, very similar to what you were saying about Anthony Robinson. If we're going to have success at the highest levels against some of the world's best national teams, he needs to be so switched on defensively. The one time that he had maybe his biggest test of his career was against Kylian Mbappe and PSG at the camp now in the Champions League two seasons ago. And I think Mbappe hit for a hat trick. 
And and yeah. not all the goals were his fault, but that's his guy. That's his space, you know? And and you have to own that space defensively. And and because he was getting so beat down or having been so pinned back because of Mbappe's positioning and obviously his confidence and quality, he couldn't go forward and do his thing. So on yeah. those days that you're mentioning, Heath, when he can't get forward because they're playing against a team that's pinning us back, he needs to be nails defensively. And I saw him yeah. actually make a pretty good header back post on one of the crosses where he put himself in a good position and he bravely won the header. And if if I see more of that, then of course I'm going to want him to play. But DeAndre Yedlin also has this as a bit of a, a vulnerability in his game where he's still a liability at times in that position because they're not, not switched on or they're not, they don't have good positioning or whatever it may be. Shaq Moore, I think, does have a big opportunity. We saw him come in. If he can be kind of lights out in that area, maybe he's a, a guy we start when we know we're playing against a team that is going to have ma- majority of the possession and we're going to need somebody there to really lock it down. I don't know. I yeah. still feel like, which is really odd to say, Heath, and for everybody else listening and watching, that right back might be our spot where I don't think it's completely locked down yet. And for us to say that with a Barcelona you know, outside back defender player on our team, is crazy. Whereas everything else, I think yeah. is starting to shape up. And I know, I know we have some question marks with regard to center back maybe as well, because John Brooks went healthy. Do you, do you leave him out? That would be crazy, you know, but if other guys are playing better then that's the way it goes, it's the yeah. national team. And, and the guys that are in the best form yeah. are the ones that need to play. Yeah. I, I will say this before we jump back to some of the, 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 the VAR and the red card comments, because again, the comments are heating up on, on that. And so would love to circle back on that for everybody to, to be able to engage on it. But one of the, one of the, the things that I really liked, and I was thinking about this during the game because Yunus Musa had a great game as well is I remember in this national team, traditionally, if a good team presses us, right, we play a square pass to a back pass to a square pass, and then four, five, six passes down the line, and a team traps us, we're dumping it, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas when I look at a player like Serginho Dest and Yunus Musa and now Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams, the way that they were playing one, two touches in tight spaces, little flicks over each other, that, that comfort in that technique. Now, that was, against, that was against Jamaica, and Jamaica are not very good. So I want to take that with, 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 with a pinch of salt. They also played that game at home. So there are factors that play into their ability to do that. But to know that when we played a few square passes that we weren't just looking to dump it and know that there was a player like Serginho Desk can open up his body, drive inside to break pressure, Eunice Musa more than well, more than happy to drop back into tight spaces and lay it off to Tyler Adams, who's now looking for Weston McKinney and we're out the other side. That comfort, I think, is really reassuring for me to know that we have these quality players. And when those players are on, it's unbelievable. My worry, again, is when you don't have all three of them on or those or, or the rest of the field is disjointed we now start to skip those mm-hmm, lines mm-hmm. and i i i was just impressed with the ability of, like a Sergio Dest to know that when he gets a square ball and we're under pressure he does have this rare x factor to be able to break pressure individually um which is world class and when you can break pressure individually knowing you have a player that's looking at his first man going like oh, i'm going to get past you it's the next thing that he needs to be able to do if he can connect that next pass when he drives inside when he breaks pressure on the dribble and things like that that i'm looking for from him but it's just a nice quality trait that I don't think we've ever had in the national team is somebody who gets the ball under pressure, brings it down, looks at the guy in front of him and goes, you know, what, in my position, Jimmy, when I was there, it would have been like, okay, find the pass. If it's not there, lump it to the channels. We move up, right? right what right. he's thinking about is bring the ball down, initiate the pressure, and bye-bye, uh, which is great when it happens. Obviously, a liability when it doesn't. But I do think that's a unique thing we've never had in the history of this national team out of the back. No, I agree with you. And uh, we're getting some comments with regard to Dest's future in terms of positioning and including the eights. I don't think he'll ever play the eights, but I do think that he could end up being a spot starter for us as I think about this positioning. So thank you for 
that input there, CG. With regard to maybe when we play three center backs, if we go into that formation that Thomas Tuchel has made uh, pretty popular these days, and I'm sure it was it was there long before him, but he's made it fashionable again. The three center backs and the two wing backs. I think Serginho Dest plays his best for Barcelona when he's in that formation, and I think he plays best in general when he's in that formation when he's playing as the, the right wing back because he's already in a better starting position to say and do the things that you were talking about Heath but when we put him in a back four it's just a different kettle of fish in terms of your your positioning and against Jamaica tonight sure you're probably not going to get exposed but we saw it against Canada when you set up with teams that are looking to expose expose that space and I know DeAndre Yedlin was in that particular game at that particular moment when Alfonso Davies got in behind him and that led to the, the their only goal the tie at 1-1 that's when you start to play against teams that do have the quality to punish you for bad positioning, we could get really hurt by, by Serginho mm-hmm. Dest and, and potentially DeAndre Edlin because their, their instincts and their tendencies are to go forward and it makes something happen going forward. They want to go forward. And when they, when they're, you know, when they've got the ball, they're going forward. It's, it's like they're running downhill, but when they're having to defend, it's like running uphill. Like, man, yeah. I don't really want to do this. Well, no, sh- nobody wants to really defend, but you know, you got to put more your guy so- then. Is no, Shaq not necessarily. Guy when, when, when we're talking about uh, having to to play against teams that are looking to expose us that way, I thought Jamaica were trying to do that, but obviously lack the quality of an Alfonso Davies or what Mexico can bring, or even some of the uh, other Central American teams can do when 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 they're cheating up a little bit, waiting for that bad turnover. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I don't know if anybody's won it outright. I don't think Shaq Moore's won it outright, or DeAndre, or Serginho. I think you go with Serginho until almost proven otherwise, which means we're going to have to wait for him to make a mistake before you start to consider something else. <laughs> we're gonna, which, we'll, which, we'll or maybe he days. doesn't. Maybe, yeah, well, that's true. We'll see who starts against Panama, and we'll get into that part of the conversation. We're going to have a proper preview for that uh, going forward uh, in a different episode, but uh, we can touch upon what this means for the team moving forward. But yeah, with regard to that position overall and, and the team's performance, I thought it was pretty comprehensive. I'd say that uh, at halftime, I kind of rated it a five out of 10. If the referee had called on the, the, that, the red card in our favor, then I would have said a six out of 10 because we probably would have been a little bit more in charge and dictating more of the flow because we would have had that man advantage, maybe even higher than that. Maybe we had scored, it would have pushed it higher. But the second half, once again, there's something about this team, a second half team. We scored a lot of late goals in the Gold Cup as well. There's something about this hallmark of this team that, that uh, even if we're down a goal or whatever it is, we're, we're coping with adversity. We're solving problems. Fair play to Greg. He's clearly saying something that's helping them get inspired and, and unlocking. Do you think it's a lack of belief, Jimmy? Do you think it's a lack of belief? Do you think it's no, like, you know what whole, I think like it you is? get into half and you come out and you go, Oh man, like we're actually doing this. We're okay. It's fine. We can, we, we can settle down a little bit. We don't have to be so nervous. And do you think any of that plays into it? I, I, maybe a little bit, maybe in that first game against El Salvador, we looked nervous, but I would say outside of that, Maybe Canada, we looked a little nervous. Or first, like the first away game and the first home game, I thought we looked a little nervous. And and God, maybe even the first and the half of Honduras <laughs> as well. Because I don't, I don't. Because yeah, now that I think about so it, yes. Well, when so I think yes. about it, that, that lineup, we weren't putting guys in the best spots. But tonight, I didn't think we looked nervous. I thought we looked in control yeah. and we're ready to go. What this game, I guess, in particular looked like was Jamaica got tired, and then we started to get a little bit tighter and sharper on the ball, making our decisions with a little bit more purpose. And once we got that first goal, you could see our confidence continue to build from there so yeah I, w- I liked it I mean I thought the second half was a little bit more of a seven and a half what did you rate the two halves yeah I would say f- I would say six in the first half just because I thought okay. that the team looked comfortable I think they lack that killer instinct of, of of finishing those chances off but they did look like they were probing for a chance they were probing to figure out where these goals going to come from where is the space they were trying to be intuitive to the game 
take what the game was giving, which I thought was, you know, accepting what the game was giving him, knowing that, okay, we found success against Honduras when the ball is wide. So let's right. get the ball wide and whip it in. It's right. fine if they clear it out. Let's try it again. You know, start to pull these, these, uh, their players in and out of their spaces, make them uncomfortable. And again, I don't think we got uh, Pepe into the best spots in the first half again, but as soon as we, you know, if, if, if Jamaica goes in the halftime and go, Hey, we got to get more pressure on the ball out wide or whatever they were talking about, trying to neutralize some of those half chances that were coming. Well, now guess who's got spa- more space in the middle, you know, your, your, your striker, Ricardo Pepe. I'm, I'm speculating on what they talked about, but right, one right, of the right. things that I think they were dealing with is like, Hey, we're giving up wide crosses. That's dangerous to do for another 45 minutes. Let's release players. Let's try to push players out. Let's try to blah, blah, blah. Maybe, uh, overthink about it. like you said you add that to the fatigue we wear them down i think that is in itself a tactic that that works when we when we saw against mm-hmm. honduras when we wear these teams down and we continued to to kind of probe at these things and i saw so i thought the the intuition of the game was really good second half i would say again seven seven and a half maybe even an eight at times in terms of just that willingness to to go after it and know that hey this right. is three yeah points. i go with the understanding go the with time eight. and place and say we need three points in this game to take that risk Serginho Dest to deliver on something that he we've been highly critical of, which is his final product at times, knowing that, okay, it's unbelievable to have a final product like that. Yeah, it's a little clip in and it's tough, but you and I both been in those positions. It's easier said than, than done, right? To, to clip that ball in, easier said than done for Ricardo Pepe to get into a spot free and, and then finish it with that type of mentality. So overall, I thought that, uh, you know, to, that, that willingness to, to keep going is worthy of an eight in this game. Yeah, we've seen some comments as well. Came out fast, but slowed down hard before the half. Give it a six. I think a six is a fair rating in the first half, second half. I think at eight. I thought we managed the game well in terms of, okay, we're at 2-0. We don't have to necessarily go after it. Seen some sevens in there as well. There is an issue, and I'm just going to say it really quick, and then we're going to take our first break, and that's more for podcasts than it is for YouTube. But I just want to say for, for the record that there are times when we just need to put our foot on the ball and make the other team chase us at two zero. We're still pushing for that third goal. And instead of letting that third goal kind of happen, does that make sense? I feel like mm-hmm. I'll use Barcelona as an example. They'll poke and prod or at least the, the prime Barcelona, not the current one where they'll poke and prod. They'll keep the ball the way for the passing to lanes to open up. And instead we're always, sometimes I don't say always, always sounds very dramatic, but, but, we're always trying to, I said it again, but trying to cram that that square peg in a round hole when it's not necessarily on and just let the game, just whatever the flow of the rhythm of the game is, just, just play into those pockets and get it and play it and move. Get it and play it and move. And sometimes maybe we're just so eager to, to try yeah. to score that when we play those big teams, when they give us those moments to, to maintain the rhythm of the game and the flow, because every team, every, all the big teams will happen. Can you maintain, make turn that 15 minutes that they're going to give you into 20 or into 25 so they're not chasing the whole time and making them chase, I think is uh, really something to consider. Well, really quick on the standings, I just want to say the U.S. has eight points now after four games. I think we happily will take that. And Jamaica, unfortunately, only have one after four games. I do want to offer some sympathy for the reggae boys because Mikel Antonio pulled out at the last minute. They're not going to have any fans for their home game against Canada coming up, which is unfortunate. So... This was a big window for Jamaica and they're not starting off on the right foot and they're missing some key players. And it doesn't look like I'll say at this moment, like they're going to qualify for the world cup, which is a shame because I love when the reggae boys are, are invited to the big enchilada and, and having a lot of fun. All right, we're going to take a quick break on the podcast, but when we return, we're going to continue to get into this big game. And of course, look ahead to Panama. Robert half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. 
That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. What's up, YouTube? Thanks for hanging out with us as well. I'm Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player, alongside your second favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player, <laughs> Heath Pierce. <laughs> and we are excited about this performance overall. Everybody in the comments saying a 7-8 performance overall against Jamaica. So lots of positivity, but now we head into a tough game against Panama, who are doing very well so far. Honestly, my surprise team in terms of that first qualifying window of how well they played. They should have beat Mexico on that last that third match day of the qualifying window, the first one, they didn't make it happen, but you can see they've got something special about them. Are you worried about this game at all, Heath Pierce? I'm not. I mean, yeah, I certainly am. I think the three points uh, here at home after this game changes my perspective. I think that changes the dynamic as well uh, and the way in which the team approaches it, right? We've still got a lot of young players. You go down there, and, and, and like we talked about, I think they – one of the genius things they did do is like take the points out, take seven points, nine points as the number of the players were talking about what the goals were for the first round. And obviously uh, the U S fell short of almost all of those uh, that the players were stating uh, and focus on one game. So now you get the three points there. You start to go, okay, we're well on our way. We don't need to look at this as this like uh, holistic view of, of this window. We take one game at a time. We got three points now. Okay, so mm -hmm. Panama starts to look like a one, if not three, instead of a three, if not one, right? And saying, we need three points, but we'll settle for one. Instead, we're saying, well, we need one point. Uh, we'd be happy with three. And I think that changes the dynamic and the pressure of the players, knowing that we're kind of back into the rhythm of what does it mean to go away from home and play? Also, with the success of playing against Honduras, I think there is naturally a chip on the shoulder of these players. I think Greg could tap back into that and say, hey, this was all built on fight. Yeah, at home, this is probably the closest thing that I remember playing against Jamaica of, of, of a dominant, quote-unquote, performance for the U.S. In, in the final round of qualifying at home versus what we're seeing um, away from home, right? And mm -hmm. and so I think there's a, there's a fight there that I think we need to tap into. Are you worried about Panama? I mean, I, I guess what worries you? A loss? Is the loss? No, no, no. Loss no actually, a, a loss you? doesn't worry me so much uh, other than that would allow Panama to gain three points on us. I guess it's just a matter of who are we going to start. Obviously, there might be some players that aren't going because of travel restrictions. So we might not see a Eunice Musa and Weston McKinney in midfield. I don't know if they're going to be allowed to go down to Panama or what the decision was made with regard to those two players in particular. So that is interesting. And then you take into consideration that Panama is currently playing right now against El Salvador. It's 0-0. You have Mexico and Canada are tied at half 1-1. And Canada has more shots on goal and more possession at Azteca. And if that result stays the same, then we actually would be on top of the table on eight points. Tata out. Uh, yeah, so Tata out. I mean, I, I assume they're going to get booed. But Canada, I'm telling you, are, are very impressive. And I thought they played very well against Mexico in the Gold Cup semifinals. And they don't seem scared of Mexico. So we'll see what that next 45 looks like. But that is a beast of a game. So we'll obviously keep our eyes on that. But with regard to Panama in particular, 
I just think they're well organized. I think they're well coached. And I think they got players that are buying into the system. And I think you can see it. And when you have, and you've been on teams where when the players don't really buy in, it just can't really ever reach because you're like, I, this, this, or maybe sometimes there's systems in place that don't fit the players and you can sense it, but you just got to do it anyway. And it doesn't feel, it's not fun because the coach hasn't figured out the right formation or the right tactics to really utilize all the skill sets for everybody that's out there. And, and I think Panama is on the opposite of that. I think they have it pretty dialed in, pretty figured out. And they're going to be a real tough test, I think, for, for any team that plays them this uh, qualifying phase. Now, I guess my question to you and everybody else in the chat, and I want to hear from you. Do you think there are going to be any changes for the Panama trip? I think, of course, there's going to be. I think Greg's got now thinking about all three of these games overall. Who do you think should start? And let's start with up top. It seemed like with Ricardo Pepe coming out early in this one, and I hope you guys like my light show I've got going for you if you're watching on YouTube, is I by him coming out in the 67th minute, even though he was probably on a hat trick, I could see him getting the start again. Brendan Aronson came out as well. I think he's going to get the start again. Do you think there's going to be any significant changes? And if so, where, Heath Pierce? I missed a little bit of what you're saying there. I got kicked off. My my, my hotel internet is on a 24-hour clock, and it kicked me off at the 24-hour mark, and I had to pay for more internet. Uh, well, I know like you're in Austin right now, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, I, so basically, I was asking hang, about hang the starting lineup. Folks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the starting lineup for Panama, do you think Ricardo Pepe and or Brandon Aronson will continue to get the start? And that's why they came off early in this one. I certainly think it sets you up for that. I think you also just say, hey, I got the most out of these. Are we at the point of diminishing returns of them saying, hey, they did their job. Let's get some other players in for valuable experience. You know, you talk about Luca De La Torre, who could be called upon. He looks comfortable Mm -hmm. in the few Mm -hmm. touches that Mm -hmm. he had. Again, the game is completely different when you're winning 2-0. And you're playing against a weekend side. We, we, you know, there was a comment in here earlier that talked about how Jamaica was supposed to be a top four team. They were. When you looked at the players that they were bringing in, that were the dual nationals and and the capabilities of that. We've seen that with I think Curacao and some other uh, some other nations. Jamaica was going to be one of them as sort of this resurgence through the quality of these players. Obviously depleted, but when when you think about the 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 starting lineup. I'm okay not starting Pepe. Again, I'm I'm from this place of humility saying we know what we got with him. He's showing that he's got these things. He's showing that he's got these capabilities to score. So if you want to rotate him, if you want to take him off and, and bring him in uh, later on, I'm I'm not against that. Do you think he's a shoe-in, Jimmy, that he needs to start that game? Like I'm happy to bring him in in the 60th minute or, or a second half if it's not working instead of putting the shoulders on him where you can – yeah, sure. Almost get in his own head or you build his ego too much. I mean, it's a way game. You can scrap and fight. You you know, what's the difference between what he does in the first half? He's a second half guy for us right now uh, when the game settles. And again, sometimes yeah, it takes a sure. while to get into a game. No, of course. Do you think he's a sure starter? I don't know if he is for sure. I think it depends on what Greg expects out of Panama in some ways where you could come on and be the fresh legs to 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 kind of join the attack in a different way. So maybe you do throw a Jossie Zardes or, or, you know, guys that are just going to kind of tire out the Panamanian defense. Or maybe you go with that experience away from home, though. We saw that our younger players don't really care where they're playing. They can still go out there and perform. But Panama is going to be crafty. And, and to one of the comments that I saw and something we've talked about in previous podcasts, how are Panama going to come out and play? Are they going to come out and sit, sit back like Jamaica against us? Or are they going to actually try to go toe-to-toe? I kind of want to see them go toe-to-toe with us just so I can see what our team looks like when they give us some space to play in behind because we haven't really seen too much of that. Canada sat back. El Salvador sat back. Jamaica sat back. Honduras sat back until they couldn't do it anymore after we wore them down in the second half, and that's where we really exploited them. So if I'm Panama, I probably wouldn't try to go toe-to-toe with us. I think we would outplay you, frankly. I just think we've got 
guys that can that are good in one v one situations and can get out of tight spaces. And I think sitting back is probably the right way to go. Maybe it's the environment you want to have other guys. I don't know. I feel like we've gone through that. That was more of the narrative for the first qualifying window for a lot of guys that were getting their first caps in in this type of environment. And in this, it's not Gold Cup. It's not Nations League. It's Gold Cup. Or, excuse me. It's World Cup qualifying away from home, which is a different beast as we've talked about. So, so I do think there will be some tinkering, but I think it's really going to be predicated on who's available for this game and who isn't. Who's what's European based guys aren't going to be involved in this. I would love to see, frankly, just to put my name out there, and anybody else wants to chime in, including you, Heath. I would love to see Chris Richards get ninety minutes if he's going. I want to see him partnered with with uh, Miles Robinson if possible. That rapport that though I thought Walker's amendment was very good. He just texted me by the way, which is cool because him and I. Yeah, I'm flexing on everybody. I'm talking with Walker Zimmerman, but I, I was excited about how he performed today. And and it's it's I want if he wants to continue to roll him out, I thought he was very good. I thought his positioning was excellent. He can sense his leadership, and he's he, you can see he's communicating out there. And and sometimes our younger players, I think, and I'm I'm assuming still, but they seem a little quiet at times. And uh, that's something that help obviously has to change. So yeah, it's it's pretty wide open. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Matthew Hoppy becomes the number nine in this one. That would be great. He didn't get to play any minutes today, so maybe they're saving him for this game in Panama. Lots of question marks, and I do think we're going to see somewhat of a rotated squad, but I hope it's not too many players because I like when teams, even when I wasn't in them and I had to be a super sub myself or a sub, not an even super, where where it, it is important to kind of have your core players continue to get run out after run out so that we can build that rapport and trust because once you start to play and actually get into the World Cup, you have to make your decisions so quickly. You have to know exactly what everybody around you is going to do in every situation. And you don't just do that by happenstance. It's because of repetitions of playing next to each other. Yeah, here's, here's a question for everyone. Uh, Pepe or Zardes? Throw P into the comment section if you think Pepe. Throw Z for Zardes. I want to actually rally these up. And if you spam us, whatever. Um, I, I, I'm truly curious of that. Obviously, I think Pepe's a better striker. I think Pepe has more upside. I think he has more future upside. But then I look at Zardes and I go... Well, I know what I'm going to get from him. And, I, and he knows the job mm-hmm. that needs to be done playing in this away game. Again, you know, going into that third game, I'm, I'm thinking differently about, you know, how can we get a Busio on the field? How can we test some of these other players? De La Torre uh, coming on. Do we change our back line? But, but for, for this one, I like the idea. Uh, and, and again, guys, we're going to do a full preview of this, of yeah. this matchup coming soon. But I, I, I like the idea of a Hoppy. I'm not worried about a Hoppy playing in, in, in an away qualifier because of the mentality that he has. And if you don't, if he's not working, if, if he's attempting things that don't work, you can make a change and, and bring in an Aronson if you don't start him or bring in right. Tim Way right, right, if you're right. not going to start him. So I like the idea of taking a chance on those types of things, knowing that you're, you're getting a like for like in terms of the energy and the mentality <laughs> that goes into the team. But for, for other guys, I'm not, <laughs> oh, now we're, we're actually getting spam. I shouldn't have brought that up. But yeah, we're, uh, I'm interested well, the to P, see the how P's this pans The PPPs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. But yeah, I mean, is there anybody else, Jimmy, that that, that we're leaving out that we're, we're overlooking as somebody that deserves a shout based on their club form or something like that? Based, well, Busio. Busio is the one that I think jumped out at us. That was somebody you thought potentially might even start this game against Jamaica, and he didn't. And we saw the midfield that uh, I'd like to continue to roll out. I guess when I think about kind of building that rhythm and rapport, that Musa McKinney Adams, the MMA, as we're going to call it, was was excellent and i want to see them now and maybe more of a high pressure situation to see how they're going to perform in that right and so we're not going to know we're like we can't get answers to these questions unless they play together but busio i think could be someone who is very centrally mod- midfield motivated i guess is the best way to say it we, you can't really put him out on the wing 
He's not going to play high. I mean, he's going to be a central midfielder. That's like his only spot. So maybe there's room for him there if you thought that Panama was going to let you have some of the ball because then he could break the lines with his passing or his running or his dribbling, whatever it is. And so that could be one potential option. Or if you wanted to give Musa and or McKinney a rest, or if they're not going to travel, Busio could be a person you start. Christian Roldan has been excellent for Seattle Sounders, you know, and, and so he could be an option. But I'd like to see Matthew Hoppy for sure. I'd like to see uh, Chris Richards are probably my two players that I want to see a little bit more of. So and, I don't know. Maybe Zach way, Steffen. Jimmy, I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I, I will I mean, say this. Matt Turner has been unbelievable in goal. Yeah, I will say this. Interestingly enough, one of the big concerns coming out of the Philadelphia Union with Brendan Aronson before he's sort of become the player that he is, is look at his build type. Does he have the physical stature to be able to compete and understand where his strengths are from his center of gravity to how to get around players, how to physically match up with players? And and he's now shown his ability to play to his strengths. And uh, similarly with Busio, we saw in the Gold Cup at times him unable to f- find a way to scrap because he is on the on the smaller side. But I spoke to Busio yesterday. Uh, that's my flex for the day while you're flexing with, with Zimmerman. <laughs> and, and one of the things he was pointing out is that how with things he was been learning since he's been at Syria, seeing these guys five foot four, five foot five, him ma- having to match up against them in games as attacking players, where like they stiff arm him and throw him to the ground, that ability to use their body, even though they're small. Uh, to their advantage and find ways mm-hmm. to be physically mm-hmm. present. And and he talked about recognizing that as a part of his game, he's going to have to learn and develop if he wants to make it to the next level. And I think he's 18, I think, or 19. Like he, that, that, that presence of mind, that, that awareness of what he needs to do to be able to get better. Um, I think is a really mature thing for a player, his age, who's now embarking on this European journey. And I think that bodes well for where he wants to go next and the challenges that he's going to have if he wants to play at the international level because the game's faster, right. it's quicker. And we've seen yeah. at times it's always going to be his crutch when you see him get poked off the ball or not win challenges. You're going to go, oh, yeah, he doesn't have the speed or the strength to play at this side of le- type of level. And whether that's a stereotype or not, it's something that's always going to be held against him just because of the pure type of player that he is as, as a quality technical player. And so I think if he can add that game, he can certainly make himself more indispensable in this team, both in Serie A as well as with this national team. Yeah, I see a good comment from ECP. He says, Busio seems to be good, a good six, at least offensively. So he has that deep line playmaker like vibe. Sounds yes, like exactly. Fearless. But the, the problem there is his defense. 10 on defense, he, six on uh, sex on offense, you know? The sporting, sporting Kansas City, Peter Vermes, the coach there, tried to make him into a six. And, and he can do the work, but his instincts, I felt like, always more, more of an eight, you know, where he could go a little bit more box to box. He could kind of pick his spots as to when to join the attack and when to drop off and help the defense. But for him to be the out-and-out guy that's protecting the back four, I never really saw it. So that's going to be tricky, right? Because he's very good at his position. But if there's another guy that can do a couple other things yeah. a little bit better, maybe not as good as him on it's like the offensive side. It's a transition game now. It's a it transition is. game. The game's too it fast. Is. And you can't have, like, I played with Juninho, you know, big Juninho when he played with the Red Bulls for a short time. And he come back and split the center backs and get it off off the center back's feet. And he could spray the ball around. And as soon as we lost it, he'd drift back up to the 10 spot. And you're like, well, who's going to sit in that hole now? Um, it, the game is just too fast in the transition game with teams, you know, Gagan pressing or pressing ha- higher to win balls in dangerous spots. You need somebody who can get the defensive side of a game immediately, unless you've got world-class center backs that are comfortable on the ball. Unfortunately, this national team is not Manchester City. Um, and so I don't think it's a, it's a safe bet to have him at the six personally. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see if Busio plays and who plays. Uh, we got a comment here from Gary who thinks that Weston didn't play very well. Or Gary's pissed, weak. dude. That's a lot yeah, of exclamation Gar- points. Gary's yeah, pissed. Uh, so so we talked about Weston a little bit earlier and just thought, 
okay, you know, maybe he didn't shine like we've seen him shine before, but I don't think he needed to. And so maybe it was a little bit more of a subdued performance from, from Weston, who has a lot of stuff. I think he's obviously trying to regain the trust of his teammates and the coaching staff and trying to move past him getting kicked out of camp the last time around. So I'm not surprised that he tried to keep it, you know, nice and steady. I thought he was steady and solid, and that's all the team needed tonight. They didn't need him to be a hero, so I thought that was pretty good. So let's talk about this. Keith Pearson, everybody listening, watching, hit us up on social media. If you're listening on the podcast at Kegolasso pod, or let us know here in the comments on YouTube, how many points now do you think we're going to get out of this window with two games remaining? We already got three in the bag. Do you think we can get the full nine Keith and everybody listening? I think we can. I think I said seven. seven. I said seven before this window started. I still think seven is, is still realistic. I think there's, there's still some variables left in these games. I think, Greg will notoriously tinker with this squad. I think we have the quality to tinker with this squad. Uh, I think, again, it's hard to not have a false sense of confidence coming out of this game. You played against a very average Jamaica. Um, Mm -hmm. And perhaps, you know, credit to the team, we made them average. We made Jamaica average. But average uh, Jamaica have been average against everybody. Um, There's no hidden factors in that. And Panama have been surprisingly good. We saw Panama Mm -hmm. against Jamaica. One, two passes, ball wide, put the ball in banging crosses and and they can win games that way jamaica same thing they approached this game they had a couple headers or chances that that could go another way so i think i think overall i still think seven points is the most realistic i think the team should be approaching this panama game saying hey it's a road game let's be disciplined let's sit in our blocks let's fight like hell like we did in the second half against honduras let's wait for our chances we'll see what we can get of it if the the ball falls our way we get a little bit lucky maybe we steal three points out of this but fundamentally we don't give up goals. We're defensive first. That doesn't mean we're going to sit back, but we're going to be we're going to be um, united from 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 start to finish in this game, and that could lead to a seven point factor if if we don't open them up or they don't take the risk. And Panama goes, oh, we'll take a point as well. Yeah, we're seeing some comments that if Pepe starts all the games, we're going to get nine for sure. I love that confidence, <laughs> Ricardo Pepe. He's got three goals and two national team games. You got to take it. But our poll here yeah. on Twitter, the favorite was seven points, forty percent of the voters went with that, including Keith and I. All right, everybody, make sure to catch our preview of Panama versus the U.S. Men's National Team, which will be available on Saturday in audio and video form. We recommend consuming both for a full immersive experience because why wouldn't you? And you guessed it, we're going to go in live after Sunday's game for more fun just like this. Be there with us. And of course, hit that subscribe button before we let you go. So thank you for watching and or listening. Follow the K Golasso podcast on Twitter at K Golasso pod. Subscribe to the K Golasso page on YouTube and hit the notification bell so you don't miss a thing. And of course, subscribe to K Golasso wherever you get your podcasts. Heath Pierce, thank you so much for spending this time with me. As always, it's always fun to cover this U.S. men's national team journey with you. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. And USA all the way. Let's go. We're winning the World Cup in 2026. Later. Get the drum out. Get the drum out. Get the drum out. Let's go. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.